right, folks, welcome to the Battle of Gettysburg podcast, Fantasy Heel Draft, here at Getty's Gear. <laughs> that was it? <laughs> All right, folks, real quick with the ground rules, because we are on a little bit of a clock tonight. Uh, you may have heard, you may not have not heard. The goal tonight is Eric and I are going to draft fantasy heel teams. And does everybody know what we mean by heel, that terminology? Okay, I see a couple nods, a couple shakes. So for those of you who listen to the show, <laughs> table over here. Uh, like all seven of you. In professional wrestling, a heel is somebody who portrays a villain, a bad guy, a rule breaker. Uh, he or she can act as an antagonist to the heroes, you know, or the good guy characters. So not everything that a heel does has to be villainous. They can be somebody that you love to hate, somebody, you know, that you love to boo and kind of jeer. The role of the heel is to get heat, which means, you know, kind of spurring the crowd on to hatred and generally involves cheating and pretty much any other manner of socially unacceptable behavior. So... With that as a background, Jim is going to draft a heel team from the Army of the Potomac. Eric is going to draft a heel team from the uh, Army of Northern Virginia. We're going to do Army Corps, Division, Brigade, Regiment, Artillery, Cavalry. Cavalry, and Utility. And a Utility player. Okay. And uh, we are going to be assisted tonight by a new addition to our show, sideline reporter, super fan Jody from Savage. So let's give Jody kind of a welcome round of applause. Jody will be roving the sidelines at our queue, getting audience and fan feedback throughout the course of the night. Cousin Eric, did I miss anything? I think we're good, cousin. Let's do this. Should we do, should we do it? Let's do this. All right. So I thought since the South fired the opening shots of the Civil War, I would give Eric the first pick. Well, I appreciate that, cousin. Thank you. So when I thought about this, as I was putting together this roster, and I probably put more thought into this than some NFL teams put into their drafts this year. I thought, what would be the cheapest thing I could go with to get the crowd going early? And I thought for Army Command, we said it could be anybody for Army Command. Because frankly, we only have two to pick from. Well, technically three in the Gettysburg campaign. So let's think about all the things that fans don't like. Ghosts. What if history? What if Stonewall Jackson was at Gettysburg? So I decided for a while that my first pick was going to be, what if the ghost of Stonewall Jackson was at Gettysburg? (laughs) That is my army commander. But then I thought that's way too much parts unknown. That's kind of ridiculous. We're supposed to do serious history. So with my first pick, I am going with Pierre Gustave Toutant Beauregard. So you're probably thinking, what the heck does he have to do with the Gettysburg campaign? Well, if you ever go to your Coddington, and how do we say Coddington on the show? Coddington. Coddington. Pages 115 through 116, not like I looked it up or something. But in mid-June of 1863, Jefferson Davis has this crazy idea. He is going to take troops from Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. He's going to put them under the command of Beauregard, move them up to Culpeper, and have them threaten Washington. The idea is it's going to cause confusion and chaos to the Union Army. In fact, it was said his presence would give magnitude to even a small demonstration and tend greatly to perplex and confound the enemy. Great idea. They just kind of forgot about it. Like they're talking about it and then all of a sudden it just goes away. So there is this alternative universe somewhere 
or PGT Beauregard is leading a force from up in Culpeper up to Washington. So that is why I picked him as my army commander. Okay, superfan Jody, you got that on the board? Beauregard for the Confederate Army? I love how you wrote Stonewall there, too. I kind of like that pick better. So now you got Stonewall Beauregard. That's yeah. that's just, that's <laughs> really getting all first Manassas here. Come on, we don't do that here. Just in case we forget about it. Okay. All right. Are you done? You're I'm done. done. The I'm right. done. Yeah, there's nothing else I got Actually, to say. there was one thing I, I missed in housekeeping that, that is kind of important. Then the other, then the criteria over who wins the draft <laughs> is going to be twofold. Which team would lose and which team would you hate the most? So there's two criteria here. And some, somehow we just for, totally overlooked mentioning that. Okay. So now that I'm on the clock with commander of the Northern Army, you know, as Eric said, since army commander, you only get two of them. Two to pick from, Lee and Meade. You know, obviously, I did give George Meade some consideration as a heel. Uh, certainly as a ring heel persona, George Meade's old snapping turtle, you know, has some merit, right? Kind of see Meade coming into the ring dressed like a turtle. I could, I could envision that anyways. But at the end, you know, I thought Meade was too solid, too reliable, too dependable to pick is the uh, effective heel leading my army. And my choice to lead my army is fighting Joe Hooker. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's kind of go through this. Hooker does qualify for our exercise because remember, historically, he's leading the Army of the Potomac at the beginning of the campaign. So that's a valid choice. You know, in all seriousness, I do think Hooker had, you know, some merit to him as a soldier. Uh, but as an Army commander, come on, definite heel. Remember that the Army under his command was described as a bar room and brothel. And I think that's just the kind of atmosphere I need in my Army to win this draft. <laughs> You know, was Chancellorsville really that bad? Come on. And everyone always talks about Meade's Pipe Creek, you know, as being such a prudent contingency and a fallback, and we got a nice position in Maryland uh, and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm thinking with Hooker in command, I'm not even sure the Army ever gets out of Maryland. And think of how, how economical that would be, a lot less marching, you know, all this back and forth stuff. So um, I think with my first pick, I am proud to pick fighting Joe Hooker to command my army. He's my man. Jody, putting Hooker on the big board. Now, think about this, too. It's May 1st. Today is the day it all went sideways for Joseph Hooker. So it was all good up to this point. No doubt our friends at Getty's Gear were already thinking of that when they they planned this special event. No doubt. Yeah, so. Okay, so do we go on to core and then have Jody rove the audience? I think let's go on to core command. For my core command, the challenge is I only get three to pick from, Uh, so that's kind of hard. So I thought about it. How do we pick a bad core commander? What makes a bad core commander? Longstreet? Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. I'm just kidding, Corey. I'm just kidding. Longstreet never did anything wrong in his life. We all know that. Um, Damn you, Jubal Early. So, for my core commander, I was thinking, who do I want? And you think about when we blame a Confederate for losing Gettysburg. Who's somebody we think of? Longstreet. Longstreet. We think of Richard Ewell. We think of Jeb Stewart. Heck, we even think Robert E. Lee. But there's one person who historically has been able to kind of get through the raindrops and not get wet. It is, of course, our good friend, Ambrose Powell Hill. Now, why am I picking AP Hill? Well, very quickly, little thing called June 30th, when you have a very smart, 
astute, hard-fighting North Carolina brigade that bumps into the lead element of the Army of the Potomac, and you just can't figure it out. And then there's July 1st. Your guys kind of bumble into the battle. In fact, it's actually the Confederate Third Corps that suffers the highest numerical losses here at the Battle of Gettysburg. So I thought to myself, you can't get blamed if you don't really do anything. So that's why I picked A.B. Hill. He is a fine example of if you don't do anything, you'll never get blamed. So that, children, is my first life lesson of the night. Well, I was going to ask, would syphilis on top of gonorrhea have anything to do with that pick? Or... Well, you know, I mean... Because I've got that covered in my arm hey, tonight. Well, you know, I mean, actually, as, uh, I can see it now. This, this fantasy draft is going to be brought to you by <laughs> antibiotics. That's right. uh, penicillin. Get it while it's hot. All right, so AP Hill, we got AP Hill off the we big board. We got AP Hill off the board. Okay, so for the uh, for my Northern Army, you know, I considered Oliver Howard. You know, look, a good man personally, but well, you know, despite all the rationalizing his supporters can do for his performance, the uh, the Eleventh Corps does come in here with Chancellorsville and Gettysburg, kind of back to back on the resume. So, you know, with apologies to Stu MC and our friends at the Civil War Breakfast Club, I think there is some heel potential there. With Oliver Howard, but, you know, I need you to really hate this team, uh, and his, a good heel relishes in his status, and I'm thinking Howard would probably pray too much to be a heel, so really, let's not delay the obvious. My core command choice is, of course, from New York University, number three, Daniel Edgar Sickles. All right, Jody, do we have a cue card or something here? Or to, uh, oh, we got some applause for uh, there Sickles. You go. There you go, there all you right. go. All right. There you go. A good heel. The audience loves to hate a good heel. Okay, so now you're asking yourself, what would Sickles bring to my team? Well, you know, a good heel knows how to make an entrance. Recall the quote from uh, monument sculptor James Kelly that Sickles always entered the opera late and he would strut up the center aisle so that everybody could see him or uh, how he propped himself up against the exit at Alexander Webb's funeral so that, again, everybody could see. I mean, that's a heel move, taking taking attention away from the corpse at a guy's funeral. So Yeah, the difference is that, that corpse didn't win the Battle of Gettysburg. Well, that's right. That's true. So, so. you know, obviously on the field, though, the communication breakdowns we have with Meade and Sickles at Gettysburg, uh, I think are not happening here with my team. You know, communications between Hooker and Sickles have always been close. It's going to be the key to defending my left flank. You know, and in fact, maybe Hooker is going to center his entire defense around Sickles uh, in the third corps. You know, that might work. Um <laughs> Also, too, remember in my army draft, I talked about uh, the idea of Hooker really kind of creating this barroom and brothel atmosphere within the army. You got to have sickles for that. So I think now between the two of them, we've got drinking and whoring covered in my army. You know, that's probably how A.P. Hill got That could be. You know, anytime. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a Rick Schroeder. anytime Anytime you want to bring Hill over to my camp, he'll probably have a good time. And finally, and la- your camp will leave a parting gift. Probably, right. And, and, and really, last but not least, come on, did you think I was going to draft anybody else? Come on. So, Dan Sickles, Corps Command for the Northern Army. Over to you, Jody. Okay, so does anybody have any comments so far on their choices? This is your chance to be heard on the air. Have you ever wanted to be heard in Bangladesh? 
Here is your chance, folks. You're going to be heard in yep. 81 foreign countries in all 50 states and like half of Canada. I don't even know how many provinces. Suddenly, now I love they, Canada. Suddenly, now they go shy. Now they yeah, go shy. now they go shy. <laughs> you know, all well. the comments are gone. But you can agree. You can disagree. <clears throat> or we can just move on. Did anybody, did anybody have a pick that, you know, they kind of thought maybe we overlooked? Would you have drafted a different? <laughs> yeah, we have microphones yeah. for a reason. Use the microphone. Yes. Okay, AP Hill. I was thinking it could be Yule because if you watch the movie Gettysburg, people hate Yule. Yeah. So he well, could come out, right? He could have the big like movie thing on his yeah, head. Yeah. And like, hey, but man, if you listen to the Battle of Gettysburg co- podcast, you know. we've tried to rehabilitate well, Yule you a little bit. You yes, right? we have. Right. Well, AP right. Hill does have the red shirt. He could come out in the red shirt. That's yep. not the red. The red shirt. That is a good heel move. Would be the yes, red shirt. Is. Yeah, red shirt yeah. equals heel move. So. Okay, so we have one one listener questioning whether or not you should have picked Yule. So the difference, I like Richard Yule. I don't think he did a bad job here. So the problem we have is I also find Yule a likable guy. He has a wonderful sense of humor. I like Richard Yule. So he doesn't really fit for me. And frankly, it's my team. So I make the personnel decisions. So no. It, I think I want to also go with somebody that is not typically blamed for Gettysburg, but I think you can make the argument plays a role in ultimately the Confederate failure here. And that's AP Hill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, on all three days of the battle. Frankly, I'm even going to go four if we count June 30th. I mean, these are four bad yeah. days for AP Hill here at Gettysburg. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Beauregard and AP Hill so far lined up against Joe Hooker and Dan Sickles. Okay. Which brings us to the division round. Division round. So this was really the first one I can add some challenges on because there are some pretty terrible Confederate division performances here. There's a lot of talent available at this spot. I thought maybe Robert Rhodes, possibly. I thought even Richard Anderson. Now I'm waiting to see if Don Walters busts through the wall here. Um, <laughs> that's an inside baseball. That's an joke. inside yeah, baseball. Yeah. yeah, we there are there are Richard Anderson supporters out there, folks. I know you're all as amazed as I am, gassed as we are. Yeah. So, but ultimately I had to come down. I said, you know, what? I can't go against Anderson and Rhodes because despite their poor performances as division commanders, some of their brigades actually did pretty well. So we can't totally write them off. So I had to think, who's somebody I don't like? Somebody that draws a lot of heat and is frankly terrible at their job. And then the light bulb went over my head. And then that light bulb grew oiled ringlets. And it smelled like perfume taken off of a dead Frenchman. I went with none other than George Pickett, the worst division commander at Gettysburg. Oh, a little bit of a... uh, Now, I am not going to take anything away from his division, what they did on the battlefield. But there's a lot of questions on what Pickett was doing then. Mm -hmm. Also, think about his loss of control at the end of the attack. Uh, his issues on the retreat from Gettysburg, where he's annoying Robert E. Lee. Mm-hmm. If you listen to our very well listened to Lee versus Pickett episode, we go into that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with Pickett because I can't even say his troops had any success. They didn't. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I'm saying that about an all Virginia division. Now, I, I love the hate, folks. It doesn't bother me. I would say, actually, the only be- the only good thing I can say about George Pickett's division. Brigadier General Louis Armistead, born in Newburn, North Carolina. Just going to put that out there. It took a native-born North Carolinian to lead all those Virginians over the wall. And I stand by my statement for the rest of my life. That's all I got. 
All right. And I can think of one area in which I am going to support your pick. Because tonight I have copies of my book, Pickett's Charge at Gettysburg, Whoa. on sale over here. So if anybody does not own it, yes, yes, applause. And yes, in no, yes, and in yes. no way was that a setup to, nah, to give not you set that. Up but, uh, and, and, and let the record show that was a spontaneous applause because Jody, our sideline reporter, was just sitting there like this during the whole thing. So thank you for that. Pickett's Charge at Gettysburg on sale everywhere. So we'll support that. Pick. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Division for the Northern Army. Um, you know, nothing initially jumped off the page at me. I kind of had some interesting out-of-the-box thoughts. You know, I thought Abner Doubleday maybe at one point. Let's just let me finish. Let me finish. I thought Abner Doubleday at one point, you know, because he's all pissed at me after, after the battle and all of that stuff. I thought John Newton maybe for stealing Doubleday's job. You know, that I thought Paul Bailey was going to be here tonight. So we're, we're, we're going to dig that into him a little bit. I thought maybe John Geary for refusing to build breastworks. You know, everybody's kind of into Culp's Hill right now and all that. And Geary, at one point, didn't want him to build breastworks. I thought Brigadier General Thomas Raleigh. Well, we'll come back to him later. But it has to be from the 11th Corps, because we can't bash the Germans, but we can bash the Americans. None other than General Francis Barlow. Right. So are you happy now, Phil? Are you okay? All right. Did we get Phil another drink? He's good? All right, he's good. All right. Why, you might ask, would Barlow be an obvious choice? Well, first of all, I think, remember, the goal here tonight is to pick an army that's going to lose on the battlefield. You know, and I think it's important that I stack my army with independent thinkers. You know, we've got Sickles pretty much covering the left flank, and, you know, he's going to kind of do his own thing. But I think Barlow would be great coverage for my right flank. Um, you know, all of this discipline and following orders stuff is highly overrated with us civilians. We see something, we go for it. You know, that's the American way. And I think that's Sickles and that's Barlow. Um, so I feel, you know, that again, not only are both flanks well covered, but they're actually well advanced to meet any danger coming their way. You know, we know how he feels about his men. He's not happy to be in his assignment, and these Dutch won't fight. No fight at all was made. Uh, so I think we add, you know, kind of a little xenophobia pizzazz to my army, you know, to camp life there. And the relationship with his mother. I think it goes beyond heartwarming to just a little creepy. So, you know, the way he writes mom after every action, every bowel movement, every sort of uh, thing. In all seriousness, I do have colleagues who believe he treats his wife or wives rather badly, but I'm not sure that I've ever kind of seen a, a contemporary proof of that that satisfies me. But the thing with his mother is creepy. So now we've got Hooker, Sickles, and joining my men of action are going to be Francis Barlow at the division level. And I feel pretty good about that pick. Okay. Thundering silence. Thank God. Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Where are we? Brigade. We're at brigade level. All right. This was another one, and I had to do a little bit of roster movement here to make this work. The brigade commander I picked, none other than Colonel John Brockenbrough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ineffectual on July 1st and 3rd, before Gettysburg, not that great, really loses control of his brigade at... Fredericksburg never really reaches the fighting. A lot of stuff going on. Kind of sounds familiar here. Also, he leads to one of my favorite jokes I've ever made on the show when I referred to his brigade as Broken Ran. 
Not all at once now. Cue card, cue card for that one. Yeah, hey, man, there you go. Come on, people. There you go. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we look at this, you know, Robert E. Lee clearly is not impressed by Brockenbrough's leadership qualities. He takes over what was a pretty good brigade under Charles Field. Charles Field gets wounded at Second Manassas. Brockenbrough kind of carries him through, but this is not an inspiring leader. We don't even know if he's on the battlefield or even on July 3rd. So that, what does that say? You what know, does it say? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I almost went Edward Thomas. Oh. Because what did they do? Plus, I would love to one day do an Edward Thomas tour where we just sit on around for like yeah. a weekend and do nothing while other people do stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I went John Brockenbrough. He's really, I think, the there's Brockenbrough and there's everybody else. So, yeah, he was a no-brainer at this point. Well played. Thank you. It's possible I could have that beat, but we'll find out. You know, there was uh, some tough decisions here in the Northern Army. Um, I thought, again, maybe not a lot of obvious choices. I was thinking for a while, uh, maybe Colonel William Tilton for kind of leaving Stony Hill, uh, you know, without much of a fight. I thought of that. I thought of Charles Graham at, at one point, you know, because frankly, somebody should fall on their sword for the... Uh, the Peach Orchard fiasco. I even thought of making my own heel turn in choosing the Iron Brigade. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't. Because I actually have Henry Bergwin on my shirt right now. Okay. And I've got Dan Sickles yeah. on mine. So. But, but we didn't go with the Iron Brigade heel turn because uh, one man did make my job a whole lot easier. Because, of, again, with all the shuffling around in the first corps, you know, one guy's commanding the wing, one guy's commanding the corps, then he's going back to the division when somebody else comes in and all of that stuff. When he was not temporarily commanding the 3rd Division of the 1st Corps, Brigadier General Thomas Rowley led its brigade. Okay, and I see some nods of recognition here in the audience. You know, Rowley was a 55-year-old cabinet maker turned court clerk from Pittsburgh. Uh, seemed to have a pretty good record prior to the Battle of Gettysburg, but as probably many of us know, uh, during the retreat from McPherson's Ridge to Seminary Ridge to Cemetery Hill at the end, at the close of the first day, there are some accusations that General Rowley gets himself drunk. And then starts giving wild and crazy commands during the retreat. At one point when he was uh, riding down High Street past St. Francis Xavier, he got into a verbal altercation with General Lysander Cutler, uh, which was going to come back to haunt Raleigh after the war. At one point, he tried to jump his horse over a ditch and basically fell off of it. And had to be picked up by some of the guys. Now, again, Raleigh later said, look, I'm not a good horseman and I've got some painful boils. But again, other people kind of thought, no, no, he's drunk. <laughs> by the time, by the time they got up to uh, Cemetery Hill, he basically has taken command of the First Corps, even though First Corps Commander Abner Doubleday is still around. I'll give you sort of some examples here. He says at one point he's trying to place some troops, um, and he says, I gave you the first order. By God, I command this corps. And when somebody said Doubleday was still on the field, he replied, I don't care a damn about General Doubleday. I command the corps and we'll place the troops where I please. Finally, somebody had to tell Rufus Dawes to place this guy under arrest. And as Rufus Dawes later said, he was raving, storming, giving wild and crazy orders, and they finally arrested 
my brigade commander, General Thomas Raleigh, at the point of the bayonet. So I am going to turn... There you go. There you go. There you go. Before we shut off the mic, I am going to go with a little serious history here. Uh, remember, he was court-martialed afterwards, and I don't know, I... In some ways, I kind of think Raleigh gets a little bit of a bad rap, uh, whether he was drunk or he said he was confused by all the command changes in the first corps that were going on late that afternoon. And I think he could make a case for it. But and tonight, in, in tonight, his defense. Yeah, go ahead. It is really confusing if you're drunk. It, well, that was it. That was it. So. And tonight, tonight, I want him drunk. I want him leading my brigade. And I think he stands up to Brock and Brow on that battlefield. Yeah, so could like a team of Girl Scouts. But, All uh, right. You know. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that puts us to the halfway point. This puts us at halftime, so. Okay, so questions, comments. We've covered Army, Corps, Division, Brigade. Any questions, comments? Anybody's fan favorite heel or something kind of left off the table here that, uh, you know, anybody wants to comment on? Oh, 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 yay of little faith. Oh, yay of The draft faith. is not over yet, not I'm over. hearing, right? right? Somebody's got to be Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick. <laughs> Think about it. You're the last pick in the worst draft. That's so. Coming up. Possible. Maybe. We'll see. Davis? Davis is a good, yeah, I uh, consider Davis. I should Dave, super fan Keith, would you like to come up and elaborate on that, or are you good? <laughs> All right. So for those at home, we just had a Davis, and that was it. So, all right. Anything else? We've had a Davis and O'Neill and an Iverson. Yeah, that's a solid lineup right there. <laughs> that's a if that won't right win there. you a war, I don't know what will. Oh, oh well, I know, okay. I know, I know. So the crowds. So, so you think the cr- so Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe is that sort of the? Thing? Well, you know, maybe there's a theory. Southern pro wrestling's better than anything else. So <laughs> I mean, true. yeah. I mean, think about it. How could you top Hooker, Sickles right off the bat? I mean, how could you how could you pick anybody else? Barlow. I mean, it's a strong team, strong, top to bottom. And wait, and unfortunately, you won't be here to see the last four picks because you gotta go. <laughs> hey, don't blame us. Well, that's blame right. a global that's right. pandemic. That's right. So. That's right. Blame our hosts at Getty's Gear as you go out and buy more drinks and cigars. Yes. Uh, but and blame you. them by buying lots of their merchandise. But that's a good question. We'll get you to know we'll what? Get back to you on Hang that. around. Yeah. Keep drinking. Buy stuff. We'll if, be out eventually. Let you know how night, it went. We'll tell everybody how it turned out. Or you just listen to this episode when it gets released later. So, so, so think go. of this in Ric Flair terms. You were the first ones to ride Space Mountain tonight. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now get out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Hey, thank you all. Thank you. Jim is drafting a team of heels from the Army of the Potomac. Ah, there we go. Eric is drafting a team of heels from the Army of Northern Virginia. So we're doing... Ouch! <laughs> that hurts my heart. <laughs> and Group 2 is kind of a rowdy yeah, group. A rowdy so. one. All right. So... That was the plan. That's why they separated that way. All right. Just so you you were kind of coming in grounded with what we did in the first section here. Uh, for the U.S. side, at the Army level, I drafted Joe Hooker, Sickles to command my corps. Shocker. Yeah, that was Francis Barlow to command my division. By the way, listen to the Barlow's Snow episodes. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. And if you want to know more. 
and Thomas Raleigh, Thomas Raleigh to command my brigade. Okay, so those are my first four picks. Eric's first four picks are... So I went with Army Commander uh, Pierre Gustave Toutant Beauregard. He does have a connection to the Gettysburg campaign. There was at one point the idea they were going to get troops from Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, put them in Central Virginia, have them threaten Washington from the South. But like most good Southern plans, we just kind of forgot about it for some reason. So, so that was my first pick. My Corps Commander, A.P. Hill. My Division Commander, George Pickett. Yeah, that one drew that one drew some heat. That How could you like heat. that guy? That one drew some heat. But you know what? You know what, gang? It gave me an opportunity to sell my Pickett's charge book to some yeah. folks in the first grade. So it's all so, good. So wait a minute. Wait a so minute. So it's the pick of the night in my book. Do, do I get like a cut of that? <laughs> right, Since right, I like right, facilitated right. the sale? Maybe. All right. Exactly. Exactly. An amazing draft choice. Oh, whoa, whoa. You can't talk about monetizing. We're battlefield guides. <laughs> yeah. Can't do that. All right. Yeah. Shh. And my last pick for brigade, the worst brigade commander here at Gettysburg, John Brockenbrough. All right. Okay. Broke and ran. You got it. See, he he used that joke in the first group and nobody got it. And said, yeah, well, that's a good number two. first group, like only like, what, three of them actually listened to our show? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That was, that was, so, kind, that was, that was kind, kind of weird. weird so. So I, I feel like we're the Rolling Stones and nobody knows who Mick Jagger is. You know, it's so so in Space Mountain terms, Ric Flair terms, Group One was first, but you're going to be next. Right? So so before though we get started, somebody in Group Two has the uh, anniversary of her 21st birthday coming this weekend, and she volunteered to celebrate that 21st birthday with us. So let's give a super fan happy birthday to super fan Dominique. And we would and we would sing, but we're on a clock here. So all right, so should we get to it? So with that, all right, let me uh, let me synchronize my time here. With that, we're going to start with round five which is the regimental. And because the Southerners fired the opening shots of the Civil War, I gallantly let my Confederate colleague go first. So actually, I think the bottom half of my team is going to be a lot stronger than the top half of my team. So at regimental level, it was kind of hard. I mean, you know, it's easy to pick a bad Confederate division commander, a bad brigade commander. I tried picking a bad regimental commander. So I thought to myself, well... I can't find anybody that would really question their performance per se. So I'm going to go this by questioning him as a person. My pick for regimental commander is none other than Lieutenant Colonel Vincent Clawhammer Witcher. Now, now, why do I pick him? Well, he already has a pro wrestling name. That helps. He's got that going for him. Uh, from parts unknown. Well, actually, Western Virginia, but the same thing. Uh, so... I picked Witcher for a couple things. Shortly before the war, he's actually involved in a courthouse shooting. So his cousin's husband, James Clement, is shot dead along with two of his brothers in this. So that's already before the war even begins. So then here we are, early 1861. Nobody really knows what's going on. Our good friend Witcher, what does he do? Well, he gets in trouble for allegations of plunder and robbery among his men, and yes, even murder. 
But One remember, I've got sickles on my team, so we already have murder covered. Yeah, but this is a bigger body count. <laughs> so, but he did have it coming. So finally, this area that his troops patrolled, they would talk about one of the uh, actions of their raiding would be executions, which were often referred to as witcher's parole. So not a nice guy, a pretty terrible human being all around. Cool name. So regiment, I'm going maybe the biggest real heel we have here, Vincent Witcher of the 34th Virginia Cavalry Battalion. You know, and I can't argue with that. I've uh, for many years said Witcher is my favorite Confederate on the battlefield. But my assignment tonight is to draft a heel to command my U.S., my Union Regiment. And again, I thought of a lot of different options here. Considered Colonel Richard Penn Smith of the 71st PA. You know, they kind of don't quite get the job done holding the angle. I considered Clinton McDougal of the 111th New York, because if you've ever kind of read his reports and stuff like that, he just comes off like kind of a dick. Um, we can say that because there's no drinking we here. We can now. say that. We can say that. We say. But my pick is Colonel David Ireland of the 137th New York. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> Look kidding. at everybody. I know. Oh. I know. That was my heel move to get group two kind of uh, woken up here. All kidding. He's, he's picking Chamberlain. <laughs> so. the, most, the most regimental heel in the Army of the Potomac is Major Michael Burns of the 73rd New York. Now, I don't see a lot of recognition here. Let me tell you the story. Uh, you know, first of all, the 73rd New York, one of Sickles' ex Excelsiors, you might be thinking, oh, okay. But it's really not due to his battlefield performance. Uh, the 73rd suffered 46% casualties on July 2nd. And by most accounts, major burns. Yes, MASH fans, we have a major burns uh, at the back. Really, if you're into MASH, I'm serious. We have a Major Burns. We have a Henry Blake. And I'm forgetting another one. We have a Colonel. We have a Pierce. We have a Pierce and Burns and Blake in and around the Beach Orchard. So that's but I digress there. Uh, but really, you know, he seems to have performed OK on July 2nd. However, after the battle, while other Union survivors were engaged productively at field hospitals or in burial details. Uh, Major Burns of the 73rd New York, for reasons that are not really well understood, spent the evening of July 5th in the town of Gettysburg. And while there, the grossly intoxicated Irishman visited the home of Mary Wade. Whose daughter, Mary Virginia, had been tragically killed two days earlier. Also in the house was Reverend Walter Alexander from the U.S. Christian Commission, probably comforting the grieving mother. And at some point, an altercation erupted between the two men. Major Burns struck Alexander with his sword, put a pistol to the reverend's head, and threatened to blow out his brains, all in front of the grieving Mary Wade. All right. So, you know, you might kind of speculate that this is just drinking to escape from the battle's trauma. Uh, however, Burns seems to have been brought up on charges like this several times in his career, but it did not prevent future promotion in the Army of the Potomac. Burns mustered out as a lieutenant colonel in June of 1865. And folks, that's the kind of heel behavior I want on my team tonight. <laughs> So with the regimental pick in round five, super fan Jody from Savage, I am proudly 
picking the drunken Irishman, Major Michael Burns. Yeah, that, that's culturally insensitive, Jim. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to pick on Germans, but we can pick on Irish. We can pick on the Yeah, you can always pick you on know, the Irish. If you're not careful, this thing's going to get canceled quick. Yeah. Do, right. do, we, do we have any listeners in Ireland? Yes, we do. We do? How many? Well, not many left anymore. <laughs> well, that's uh, good. So, uh, you know what? Maybe they'll think better now of their behavior because of this. Maybe. Or, you know, I'll never be allowed to go back to Ireland again. The only place in the world where I actually blend in. That's right. So, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I went to Dublin. I looked around. It's like, they all look like me. What's this like? Oh. Yeah, it was kind of nice. Um, but I digress. On okay. artillery. On to artillery. Which, there was actually a number of picks you could make for the Confederates for artillery. Yeah, yeah, You're going to probably have a little more challenging time. But I thought, you know, there's really no artillerist worse than who I'm going to pick. And I've said this in the entire Civil War. None other than William Pendleton. (laughs) Now, let's look at Pendleton a little bit, because we don't talk about Pendleton a lot, for good reason, because he's pretty worthless in the battlefield. But he is one of the few people that survived Robert E. Lee's post-seven days purge. Remember when we lose people like John Magruder, Chase Whiting, all these fun people we've never heard of. Gustavus Smith, the other commander of the Army of Northern Virginia. Fun trivia question. He commanded after Joe Johnston's wounding until Lee takes over. So there you go. But Pendleton survives as chief of artillery when Lee takes over. The reason? He's personal friends with Jefferson Davis. Davis sees to it. Let's fast forward September 19th, the Battle of Shepherdstown. Lee leaves his rear guard in command of Pendleton. In the middle of the night, imagine this. Robert E. Lee is sound asleep. There's a knock on his tent. Pendleton himself is frantically reporting that he has lost track of his forces and lost control of the situation. He has lost all of his guns. He only lost four of them. But Lee, not too pleased by Pendleton waking him up with this news. This basically turned out to be a highly exaggerated account. It was actually interesting. The Richmond newspapers viciously reported on this incident for the remainder of the war, and many unflattering rumors and jokes were spread by his own soldiers about it. Uh, At least one military court of inquiry was held to investigate Pendleton's actions at Shepherdstown. This is the second year of the war, folks, and now he comes here to Gettysburg. Needless to say, not a good performance here. Tends to cause more problems than not. My favorite part is afterwards. Uh, It was said that Pendleton was not particularly well-liked by the enlisted men. It was said that while the soldiers would gladly cheer most higher officers, they remained silent when Pendleton rode past. The best thing he has is that he kind of looked like Robert E. Lee, so he might get some cheers for that. Uh, It's always bad when you get cheered because they confuse you for somebody else. Which is why when I go to North Carolina, people cheer me because they think I'm Opie from the Andy Griffith Show. (laughs) I got more hair than Ron Howard, though. So now, my final part about this. Only the Confederate Army would have not one, but two fighting bishops. That just sounds like a Confederate thing, right? So after Leonidas Polk gets his head taken off in the Atlanta campaign, true story, he actually got his head taken off. Jefferson Davis proposed assigning Pendleton to take command of Polk's old corps in the Army of Tennessee. You know you are terrible when Robert E. Lee does not want to send you away from his army because he says that you are unsuited for the job. How many people has Lee sent away? He's keeping this guy because he's so damaging to the Confederate war effort that if we put him in corps command, we are probably going to lose. That's all you need to know right there. William Pendleton, my pick for artillery. Boy, you had me at Pendleton on that one. So, yeah. so in general, I think you get extra time. 
do I get a well? <laughs> well, in this round, unfortunately, I don't know that I that I have that extra time because I because I'm not. I really had the opposite of his problem because let's face it, during the Battle of Gettysburg, the Union artillery just destroys their Confederate counterparts. And while while Eric had a a plethora of choices to choose from on the southern side, and I would agree with your your Pendleton pick. If I'm going to concede defeat in any round, it might be this one, because I had a really hard time thinking of somebody on the Union side. Uh, You know, nobody jumped off the page. I'm not going to go with Henry Hunt. I'm not going to go with Freeman McGilvery. I'm not going to go with Cushing like that. You know, the ultimate disgrace is for an artillerist to lose his guns. So I started thinking along those lines, you know, who lost their guns? Could we go with James Smith at Devil's Den? No. And then finally, at that point, I just got tired of thinking about this. So I chose Malbone Peggy Watson. Yeah, all right. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, Battery I, 5th U.S. Artillery. First of all, we don't really even know where the battery goes. Do they go to the peach orchard? Are they at the trussel farm? You know, where the, you know, where the hell are these guys? So we don't really know what they do. We can't answer any of that definitively. All we know is that at some point when Sickles's heroic salient is collapsing, they eventually retreat and fall back and they end up on the left end of Freeman McGilvery's artillery line, right? Not for long, because without firing off a round, they seem to get overwhelmed by the 21st Mississippi and basically get the uh, the battery captured. Their casualties are going to be one man killed, wounded, one officer and 18 men and two more men missing. So they're captured by the 21st Mississippi, really without firing around. Uh, I will say, too, though, you know, they also, you know, a good heel, a good heel can give a face, a hero, an opportunity to redeem themselves. And one of the things Watson does is my artillery heel is he gives the 39th New York and parts of the Harper's Ferry cowards the opportunity to redeem themselves. And I think that's part of what makes a um, um, a good heel. Now, I will say, speaking of heel, uh, Watson was badly wounded and lost his right leg at Gettysburg or after Gettysburg, you know, which is a common theme on my team because I also have Dan Sickles. <laughs> so that feels pretty good. So, uh, you know, you don't you don't have any um, uh, really nobody ever has any issues making fun of Sickles' missing leg. Uh, so, you know, we'll go with Malbone Watson tonight. And for losing your battery, Malbone you're going to earn the spot on my team. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you for attending my TED Talk. (laughs) All right. Now the crowd is stunned into silence, Jody. This might be a a moment to sort of get any feedback on how how it's going so far. So do you agree, disagree, want to chime in, pick somebody else? (laughs) They're just stunned. I know. Or drunk. Or drunk, all right. Okay. Oh, good pick. That's actually a very good pick. The pride of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So in case we didn't pick that up on microphone, we had a suggestion for Norville Welch. Come on up. Tell us why you would pick Norville Welch. Come on. Yeah, come, come on. on. Be heard come in Bangladesh and Burma. Right. <laughs> Super fan, Bill. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. You can even hold the mic. Yes. Well, as most people know, Norville was the commander of the 16th Michigan on Little Round Top 
He commanded the right side of Strong Vincent's battery, mm-hmm. or Strong Vincent's brigade. Somewhere along the line, when the Texans were coming up, I think he either thought or heard someone gave an yeah. order to retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As the commander, I would have thought he's the guy that should have made that that order. Yeah. But he didn't. And when he saw, I think, the colors retreating, he decided he was going to retreat too. And I don't know how many of his regiment retreated, but quite a few. And yeah. they almost lost Little Round Top because of the Texans yeah. coming up. And you could argue he potentially gets strong Vincent killed because it's yep. while Vincent's trying to rally that, yes. that that the great Vincent goes down. And he gives a, a, a face moment because remember, a good heel has got to create a face. Yep. Everybody know what a face is? A face is the good guy with Patrick O'Rourke, right? Yes. With oh, yes. right? So, okay, you Comes know. up and saves his, his neck. But I, he gets killed too. Well, he does. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is a recurring uh, theme yeah. here. But I think Norval Welch Demons, gets people killed. Norval that's right. redeem right. himself later on in the war, I believe. I think it is, yeah. But we're only the Battle of Gettysburg Correct. podcast. We are not the rest of the war podcast. That would be yeah. my heel. Okay. All right. And maybe I, that's our spinoff, Rest of the, rest war, of the war podcast. podcast. <laughs> and that is an excellent, I will concede, that is yeah. an excellent, excellent choice. But my guy beat up a priest in front of Jenny Wade's mother. So. But well played, super fan, Bill, and we will concede. We will concede that is a good choice. All right. Should we go on to, I think, Cavalry's Let's next? go to Cavalry. This was another area where I had some options. I could have put Claw Hammer here. That would have been fun. I could have gone Beverly Robertson, maybe one of the more incompetent Cavalry commanders in the entire war. But then I got to think, who in the Gettysburg universe had a worst campaign from June 3rd, when this thing starts, to the end of the battle. <laughs> Who has had the worst time ever? So I am going with none other than James Yule Brown Stewart. Oh, oh, oh. Now, all right. Oh. Well, I will say, for one, I'm a Wade Hampton guy. Never heard of Jeb Stewart killing bears with a knife. Um, <laughs> Um, and actually, we were going to include a bear wrestling section of it's yeah, our we match were, yeah, with yeah. Wade Hampton against a bear. Yeah, we actually were. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, we come to you live from High Hampton in Western North Carolina. <laughs> uh, season five. Season five. So think about just his actions at Brandy Station. Not the best moment ever for Jeb Stewart. The Richmond Inquirer on June 12th, 1863, had this to say. If General Stewart is to be the eyes and ears of the army, we advise him to see more and be seen less. General Stewart has suffered no little in public estimation by the late enterprises of the enemy. So we've got this going on. And then Jeb Stewart takes a little ride. That's an episode all of its own. And then we get to July 3rd. Not really his best day either. Now, he will redeem himself on the retreat, but uh, I don't think there's anybody else you can pick here. I think it has to be Stewart. So I know there's some lost causers out here like, oh, you can't do that with Jeb. How dare you? Well, I'm not a Jeb Stewart guy, so I really don't care. So, but we're going to Stewart for my cavalry pick. Wow. All right. A controversial pick. Stewart and Pickett. I think some controversial choices yeah. in the Army of Northern Virginia tonight. Okay. There's no time. There's there no, no time. time for that. <laughs> Super fan, Bill. You already had the microphone once. Settle down. Settle down. Do we need to kick you out of the room? So, no, I'm just kidding. So, all right. 
super fans get hopped up on one drink and it just, it's all over. You know, super fans, you got to really hold your liquor better than this. I expected better. So we um, wish super fan Dami a happy birthday and she's already throwing shade at us. Yeah, so. I know. I know. Yeah, well, no good, de- no good deed goes unpunished, <laughs> exactly, I guess. Exactly, right. So. All right, cavalry for the Union Army. So, um, you know, I think cavalry by nature kind of gives us a potential embarrassment of riches in this category. You know, plumed hats, scarves, you know, colorful personalities for that sort of thing. Um, certainly in my army, we could make a strong case against uh, Judson Kilpatrick. So I considered picking Kilpatrick. But as a hardcore George Armstrong Custer enthusiast, there is a temptation to pick him because he certainly meets the love-to-hate criteria. Kind of get a feel here for the audience room temperature. Cheer if you like Custer. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Man, all right. I, 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 all right, all right, all right. You know, I haven't heard an applause like that for Custer since the Lakota camp. Uh, so. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, you're welcome. All you're right. Welcome. I'm so, here all week. Tip your waitress, try the veal. It's great. <laughs> so I can imagine the classic heel entrance coming in with the long hair, the red scarf, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I would have thought half the arena would be cheering, but apparently not in group number two. You know, which is, again, what often makes the best villains. The guys that, you know, people are going to cheer for and kind of love to hate. But I didn't pick Custer. Because historically for the battle, young man, you said it over there, for the Battle of Gettysburg, Custer performs more than admirably, particularly on July 3rd at East Cavalry Field when he's whipping Eric's pick over there. Uh, so remember, part of our criteria tonight is to pick a team that will lose. So that is not, in my opinion, George Armstrong Custer. He does not belong on my heel team. But General Alfred Pleasanton does belong on my team. And that will be my cavalry heel pick. First of all, he's got the look. He's kind of dashing. He's rakish. You know, the newspapers actually dubbed him the Knight of Romance. You know, which That's is a good per- ring name, Which actually. is a perfect ring name, right, for the, for what we're doing here tonight. Remember, too, when he took command of the Union Cavalry Corps in late May, um, he could not accept his new role very gracefully. He wrote to General Hooker, I cannot remain silent as to the unsatisfactory condition in which I find this core. The responsibility of its present state does not belong to me. So he's already, you know, not taking responsibility for for the condition of his new command. That's kind of a heel thing. You know, during the Battle of Gettysburg, there's several mess ups at Cavalry Corps headquarters. I'm thinking of Buford being removed from the Peach Orchard area on the afternoon of July 2nd. No replacements being brought in july 3rd you know when custer is detached from kilpatrick kilpatrick didn't even know about it so you know that's a little bit of a screw up and then finally there's that whole thing known as south cavalry field right where general farnsworth gets killed last but not least though after the war pleasanton is going to insist that, you know, after Pickett's charge had concluded, Pleasanton is going to insist that he went up the little round top with General Meade and basically dared his commanding officer to make an attack, supposedly adding, General, I will give you half an hour to show yourself to be a great general. Yeah, which, you know, again, in my in my book, you know, kind of makes Pleasanton another dick to add to my lineup of dicks. 
So the is that going to be your team name? That's going to be my team. The U.S. Dicks. The U.S. Dicks. So super fan Jody, put him on the board. Take him off the board. Put him on the sheet. We've got Alfred Pleasanton commanding my cavalry corps. So our <laughs> utility rounds. Yes. So should we explain? We the should utility explain. Role. We might not. Not everyone here might play fantasy sports, so we should explain the utility role. <laughs> Well, this is almost over. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> All right. The utility, would you like to explain the utility player? So the idea of a utility player is they can, it doesn't matter what position they play. They will be in your roster. So whether or not this is another catcher, you can't have two catchers. That's how you do it. So it's basically somebody you just fill into your roster to play any number of positions. So this really for us could be anybody from the army or I guess even connected to the army if we right, wanted to go right, that route right. as well. So for me, when it came time to the utility section, there was only one person to pick. It, it was this was one of the easiest picks I had. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Alfred Iverson. There you go. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. 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 You know, I love that we're cheering how terrible he is. Mm. We need to do more of that. Don't boo people. Cheer because they're that bad. Mm. Um, weird poetry aside with Alfred Iverson, um, if you've ever listened to our Iverson episode and you'd mm -hmm. like to hear more about his dead wife's heaving bosom, yep. well, there you go. Um, <laughs> notice I said dead wife. Yeah, I didn't say live wife. I said dead wife, folks. Uh, issues from... The Maryland campaign all the way up to Chancellorsville. And then, well, I just got to say Oak Hill on July 1st. That's all you got to say. Iverson's pits. Yeah, yeah, Iverson's pits. That's right. it. Um, then we look at his performance in the retreat, maybe not leaving when he should have left, all kinds of things. This is in no way disparaging to the troops under his command. I think we should always remember that. As much as we're making a joke about Alfred Iverson, unfortunately, his bad actions got a lot of people hurt and killed. So we can't really, I'm not going to put that on his troops. They do perform well in the retreat, uh, Monterey Pass. They perform well at Hagerstown. But Iverson has nothing to do with that. He's not in command of them. It's the troops doing it, which I think adds to even more of that. If there is a more hated commander on the battlefield, I don't know who it is, north or south. So he's probably lucky one of his own guys didn't shoot him on July 1st. So, so that's my utility pick, okay. Alfred Iverson. All right. Very good. So again, for the Northern Army with my last pick, you know, I did think it as I was thinking through this, you know, do I make a joke pick? I thought of Buster Kill Rain. I thought of. <laughs> well, I picked a ghost. Yeah, I know. Well, so, you know, I thought about, you know, John, John Wilkes Booth is from Maryland. I thought you could argue that kind of thing. Uh, but I didn't. I went with a, a serious, legitimate guy. You know, I've already got Joe Hooker, Dan Sickles. Who's missing from that group? Dan Butterfield. So I'm going to pick chief of staff, Dan Butterfield. To round out my army. Now, yes, he's a good organizer. You could do worse than making him your chief of staff. And yes, he also devised some noteworthy bugle calls, including, of course, taps. But beyond that, if you were here with Group 1, you would remember that one of the themes of organizing my army here is that I'm trying to create a barroom and brothel atmosphere. <laughs> there you go. All right, that wakes up Group Number 2. And that comes to us as a historical quote from Captain Charles Adams, 
who famously complained during when the real Army of the Potomac was under Hooker, Sickles, and Butterfield, that the Army of the Potomac sank to its lowest point. It was commanded by a trio, each of whom the least said the better. All three men were of blemished character, and during the winter when Hooker was command, I can say from personal experience that the headquarters of the Army of the Potomac was a place which no self-respecting man liked to go and no decent woman would go. It was a combination of barroom and brothel. So again, I think I've got the right atmosphere. The team you love to hate. The alcohol is flowing here at Getty's Gear, and it is flowing in my camp, too. I will add, though, if that is not enough to sell you on this vote, remember that while he was chief of staff, he was no friend of George Meade's. And afterwards, Butterfield teamed up with Sickles and Doubleday and guys like that to try to convince history that George Meade had wanted to retreat at Gettysburg and did not deserve credit for winning the Battle of Gettysburg. So not only is my guy into drinking and whoring, but he picked on, he picked on poor, defenseless George Gordon Meade. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And I will wrap up with a story from Alexander Webb. Webb questioned Butterfield's wounding here on July 3rd, 1863 at Gettysburg. Webb said that Butterfield got hit in the neck by a tree branch and, and tied and tied a bloody handkerchief around it so that people would think he would be wounded and he could get away from the army. Webb later said that Butterfield was a lying little scoundrel and Webb once had to be held back from caning Butterfield on the streets of New York. Folks, that's my chief of staff. That's my utility player. And I think I'm going to lose this war. Thank you very much. Wait. Caning? I thought that's a Southern thing. <laughs> just go what, is he trying to do a Preston Brooks impression? <laughs> don't, don't ruin a good story with yeah. the facts. Just no, go with no. it. Just go with it. That's what we do. You know, I was thinking if he really wanted to draw some heat yeah. for your utility pick. Yeah. Lincoln. I thought about. I actually did consider it. I mean, I considered whoever it. has had more people in the country hate him. Yeah, than yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, but get to put a boo up or something. I mean, I'm just saying, you you know you're not liked when places leave because you get elected. I'm just uh, saying. I know. I'm oh, just saying. Oh, don't Eric, blame me. Blame South Carolina. Eric blame is, John Calhoun. Oh, the the room is me. turning on Eric oh, with the well. heat. Super fan Jody, any last sort of color commentary from the audience? They're speechless. <laughs> They're speechless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they realize your team never got here because they're partying in Maryland. That's and right. Yeah, actually, I don't think ours gets here either. No. So. so. And speaking of being a heel, I did shamelessly pimp books in the first session, and I sold a couple, so we do have books here for sale. In case you've never listened to the podcast, yes, we write books. <laughs> yeah, among other things. Thank you very much for coming tonight. Get out. What's that? <laughs> <laughs>